0: Good morning again. I am Pastor Angela, and I have had the honor and the privilege of being here and being a part of this church of new community uh, for over two years now. And um, it has tremendously been a blessing to me and all of those that have been here with me over these last couple years, and very much so in this last year which I'll explain as we go further. This message that I want to share today um, is difficult for me in some, some ways, but it's needful for my soul, for my soul to be able to express and to share the truth of God's word, the truth of his spirit, amen, In the truth of his presence. So if you will just be patient with me, I want to talk to you today just a little bit about a heart of worship, a heart of worship. This time, this season that we're in now, this Thanksgiving, coming into Christmas season, this time um, is when people normally come together from everywhere, and they, they take the time to intentionally think about others and to express their thoughts through acts of kindness and generosity. Pastor Peter, over the last few weeks, have been talking and preaching on a sermon uh, on generosity, on on giving, on taking from ourselves and sacrificing for the cares, the needs of others. And sometimes that message hits very hard, especially when you look at yourself and you're the one that's in need as well. But when we think about the fact that, yes, we all have needs and we all have desires, but usually as we are honest and logically think, there is always someone that has a greater need than us. And God calls us that even in the midst of our needs, that we trust him enough with the cares of our needs and the concerns of our needs that we still give of ourselves to help someone else. It is the expression of God's heart. Time, this time in this season is a time where we recognize the contributions that others have made in our lives. This is the time that we think about the parents that have always been there and always reminding us of how much they love us and how much they believe in us. We think about the spouse who stands by us and has become a partner with you through the journeys of life. You thank him for the children that make you smile and make you laugh so hard even when you are down and out. You think about the service in your favorite coffee shop that makes your java just the way you like it. You think about the boss or the teacher that pushes all of your buttons but somehow brings the best out of you. You think about that person that is in need, that one that you help, that makes you realize that you're still alive and that you still have a heart and that God still cares. This is a time when we would stop and recognize, stop and raise our consciousness concerning the needs of others and we would give to help someone else. This is a time where we would recognize the goodness of God and we would do like the old folks used to say, count your blessings, baby, you have them. And this is the time when we think about just how good God really is. We acknowledge that even as my life and even as some things have become difficult and things have have become hard in some ways, I realize that it could be worse. And so I can declare that I am blessed. So my soul can thank him because he is a good God. And even if I acknowledge that things are good and maybe not as difficult as others, But things are good. I realize that they actually could be worse and I can still say God is good and I am blessed. This is a time and a season of thanksgiving. It is a time where we recognize the goodness of God. And unfortunately, we say, you know, constantly, you know, that we don't really need a season to recognize the goodness of God. We don't really need to take and observe a particular day out of the year to recognize the goodness of God. But most of us, as life goes on and difficulties happen in life and and, and just enough itself goes on, most of us sometimes we lose the recognition of God's presence or you lose the recognition of God's work among us and around us so we take this time in this season to stop and just say thank you we think about this time when we are are now historically looking at thanksgiving thanksgiving used to be a religious observance it used to be and it came from originated from a place where they acknowledged now God's provision. They acknowledged God's provision and his providence at a time of a good harvest. When God they looked at it and said that God had provided for them. That even though they had sown seeds and they had planted and they had done the labor, they realized that it was God that gave the harvest. And so any time the harvest would return, they would thank God. For For the harvest. And so now, when times before it was a religious holiday, it was a religious observation, now it has become more secular. And so now we just thank God because we got a day off work. We're glad because we get to eat some good food. We break all the diet rules and we wear our good eating pants because it's the day when we can say thank God for turkey and thank God for stuffing and thank God for potatoes. We're happy that we get to eat a really good meal. It's now become the day of preparation for a massive shopping weekend. We are preparing ourselves to shop and even as of this year Thanksgiving has become a shopping day. It used to be that you stay with family but now it's now time where they have given us better bargains on Thanksgiving if we will get up from the table and move away from our family time and then go and catch the television that's 50% off or go and get the clothes that's 30% off and we feel that now you know we should we are able to do that without any recourses but more and more our thanksgiving and our observance is going away so what is thanksgiving the day the time the season of thanksgiving and acknowledging it is merely a thing that we have been given to express what's really in our heart. And most of us now go through our time where we do not acknowledge or we sometimes we may even feel that we don't have very much to be thankful for. I thank God for this church of new community having an opportunity to be here. Um, This year for me has been a tremendously painful year. And I thank God for this church. I know many of you have been here some much longer than me, and some of you all are new and just visiting, and you're not really aware of the strength of community and love that's in this church. But can I just express it from my own place? of need that this church and those that have embraced me and and my family and even helping me through her difficult times have proven to show and express the love of God. The heart of God is in this place. This year, I thought I had this this disturbing thing that came about with me during this time of Thanksgiving. And I said, God, things have been so hard and so difficult for me. Do I really have very much to be thankful for? This year has been one of the hardest years of my life. And this year, my 20-year marriage has come to an end. And this year, I was overwhelmed with great fear, fear of losing my children, fear of being alone, fear of losing uh, provisional security. I have fear of failing in ministry. I've never had to apologize for failure as much as I have in this year. This year, I faced fear of quitting the ministry, fear of being judged, fear of being rejected. I've even had fear of being weak this year has been a hard year for me and in this year and in these struggles that I have faced this time of thanksgiving brought right to the surface to me this question that says where is your heart is worship just an outward expression Of a feeling of emotion that feels good? Or is the heart really in a position to worship? This year, I had to question after 14 years of ministry, God, do I trust you like I said I did? Do I believe you like I said I did. I preached it and I taught it. But God, do I really believe it? In the times like these when I really needed God, do I really believe it? So I had to do a heart test. Because You know, I grew up in the church where we sang songs. I grew up in the choir, and the choir, you know, that was my thing. I told anybody, if any job that I would quit pastoring for, it would be for singing in the choir and directing the choir. That is my heart, to sing and to worship. But I grew up in the time and grew up in the age where where the mere uh, singing of a song was expressed as worship. That's what they told us was worship. That if we sang the right song, if we, you know, sang a slow song, that was worship. If you sang a fast song, that was praise. That's what they told us. So we had to have an A and a B selection. You had to get both of them in there to really, really, you know, get to God. So I had my A and B selection. And I sang my songs. And I allowed that to be my expression of love to God. And then I, I, I realized now that that going through difficult times when I couldn't even sing the song, God, where is my worship? I couldn't even sing it. I realize now that worship has to be so much more than just a song. Amen. I realized that it had to be more than just an expression of music to lyrics. I realized that, God, it had to be so much more than this melody that's in my heart. God, it had to be something more. So when I realized that I could not express my true emotion or my true worship to God, now in just a song, I had to go deeper. And so when I began to go deeper, then I started reading the song and anybody know about David, David is a worshiper. And so what I had to realize was David, I said, you know, I really like David. And so listening to David's writing, it's one of those things I realized. I said, David is a man, you know, he's real raw. He's real real. I love it, and he's very transparent. And so his songs that he wrote really began to speak to my heart. So this first reading that I'm reading now, Psalm 29, Psalm 29 says, give unto the Lord, O ye mighty, give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Worship and worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. The voice of the Lord is upon the waters. The God of glory thundereth. The Lord is upon many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaketh cedars, yea, the Lord breaketh the cedars of Lebanon. He maketh them also to skip like a calf. Lebanon is Syrian like a young unicorn. The voice of the Lord divided the flames of fire. The voice of the Lord speak, shaketh the wilderness. The Lord shaketh the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord maketh the hinds to calf and and discovereth the forest and in his temple doth everyone speak of his glory. The Lord sitteth upon the flood. Yea, the Lord sitteth king forever. The Lord will give strength unto his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. When I began to read this this psalm, and I read through a lot of David's writings, and I began to read it, and I began to consider David's life, and I said, you know, David being as real and as raw as you can get, David was a man whose life was filled with what we call drama. You ever met those people that it was just drama? Just always something going on and never seeming to let up. And usually those are the people that we stay away from because most of us don't like drama, right? Yeah, yeah. We we stay away from them because we don't want to get involved in everybody's mess. So we usually stay away from them. Well, David would have been one of those you probably would have stayed away from. David would have been one of those you would have said, man, you know, he's good, but he always got something going on. Something is always happening in David's life. You know, David had a troubled childhood of neglect and rejection and possible shame. He had sibling inferiority. He was the object of Saul's murderous fury for years. He had troubled marital relationships, strained parental relationships with his children, endured many victorious battles that did not make his personal life any better. He he had loss of his best friend, personal betrayals. He became a murderer and an adult and he never got to fulfill his ultimate heart's dream which was to build the house of God. David had so much mess going on that we would have stayed away from David and we wouldn't have messed with David because David was one of those people you couldn't figure out how is he this king and how is he this this man that God loves so dearly that God would entrust his people with but David's always got something going on in his life. David's life was a reflection now of the troubles that he went through personally but it did not reflect his heart his heart And see, a lot of times we look at people uh, in face-to-face and we don't understand now that their worship is not on the outside. It's not locked up in their outward appearance. It's not locked up in how they do things externally, but it's in the depths of their hearts. And what we don't realize is that most of the time we can't recognize a true worshiper. and We can't recognize a true believer until they show their expression of their love for God outwardly so we can look at one another and not recognize the truth about a person's heart and no one could really realize how much David loved God they didn't know how much the relationship between him and God meant to him they didn't understand what God David was going through when he was troubled and he could not gain what we would call victory in his personal life but his God relationship was sure and it was solid that even when David messed up, David's heart would repent and bow before God. And even when David couldn't figure out how to make his life work, David's heart still recognized that God was God above all things. No matter what David was going through, he realized it does not change who I really am. And I really am a worshiper that belongs to the true and living God. And no matter what my my life looks like no matter what seems to be going on my heart is positioned to worship the true and living authentic God Amen. he loved God even to the point that David now began to speak uh, to those that he called mighty He said unto them, he said, now, when we think about what worship really is and what worship really comes from, David said in this Psalm 29, he was saying now, you can't really worship God until you give God something. You can't really worship God until you give God glory. Glory, this kavod that belongs to God, this weightiness, this heaviness, this honor, and this reverence that belongs to God, you can't really worship Him if you don't give God the glory that's due unto His name. Yeah. See, if we don't acknowledge who God really is and give Him His glory, then our hearts will not be positioned to really, really worship God. Now, this word worship means to lay prostrate. It means to bow down before someone with authority and power and someone that is superior. It means it's a position that now represents now the honor that you have for the person that you are worshiping. And so, when we think about worship, worship is not a song selection. It's a position of the heart. Because we can sing the song, but our hearts be far from it. We can sing the songs, but our heart not even recognize the words. We can sing the song, but our hearts will not believe nor really give in to the words that we speak. When we declare that he is majesty, when we declare that he is God, is our heart really in that position to say that he is God and that he is majesty? Is our heart in that position to declare that he He is king or are we just doing lip service? And most of us, our heart never connects to the songs that we're singing. We do it out of repetition or we do it because the song is familiar. But our mind, our brains have shut down. And we're not really computing with the words that we are speaking. But when the heart is inflamed with the passion and the love for God, when we sing the song, it's not just lyrics. It is a confession of our hearts. It's not just lyrics. It is a declaration of our faith. When we sing the song, when we declare his glory, we're giving back to him what belongs to him. We are acknowledging that God is who he is whether we acknowledge him or not. Do we understand that God is on the throne whether you put him on the throne or not? That he is a king whether you say that he is a king or not. That majesty, dominion, and honor is his whether you admit it or not. But when you allow your heart's confession to be like David's, you will declare who God really is. Not because you're making him God, but because you are acknowledging that he is God. What do you attribute to God? I had to ask myself this question. What do you attribute to God? God. How do you ascribe him? So when I look at David's writing, this is what really, really blessed my soul. It's because I read through a lot of David's writings, and David began to entreat God, and he spoke about God in so many ways. He talked about God in good times and bad times. He talked about him in victories and defeats and righteousness and sin. In the rising of the sun and the moon, he talked about him in the beauty of his creation— but what really blessed me with this song of 29 is that David was able to recognize how big God is just in acknowledging his voice. This blew my mind because God didn't have to do anything for David to magnify him he only had to open his mouth and speak and David heard his voice and recognized it in the thunder and in the lightning And most of us, if you're like me, you don't like thunder and lightning unless I'm inside. But David acknowledged the greatness, the magnitude of how big God is, even down to his voice. David began to talk about the thunder of God's voice and the fact that it would shake the earth and make mountains tremble walked through the wilderness and caused now the trees to shake. He talked about how the lightning would come and split through the earth realm just because God opened his voice. And when I began to think about that, my heart began to break because what is it that God has to do for you to say thank you? What is it that God has to do for you to give him glory for you to give him your strength how can we strengthen God we can't strengthen God we give God our strength we give back to him what he gave to us our gifts our talents our abilities our time our energy we give it back to him what is it that would cause our hearts to bow and to lay prostrate and declare that he is king. What would it take for you to recognize God's eternal power and his grace? What would it take for you, David, after going through all that he went through? And, then, and all it says is that David really sat down one day and just began to think about God. And during this time, he recognized the voice of God. God is calling now in this season for true worshipers. John 4 23 24 says, But the hour cometh, and now is when the true worshipper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. As Christ was speaking to the woman at the well, Samaria, she began to ask Christ questions to say, Who are you? Are you better than our forefathers? You know, we've been doing this for a while. You know, we know what it means to worship. We, we follow the laws of Moses and, you know, we've got our place where we worship and we know how to do it. And Jesus began to say, as much as your ceremonies and your rituals have taught you, you still have no idea that what I'm after is more than a ceremony, but I'm after your heart. I'm after the thing that goes beyond the place where you worship and goes beyond the ways in which you worship, but causes you to be a worshiper in everything that you do. He said, I am looking in this time, in this season, the time has come where true worshipers will worship me in spirit and in truth. That it will be no more facade where you can imagine that people at those times could, could externally worship him in ceremonies, but their hearts could be far away from him. He said, I'm looking to recognize true worshipers who have given themselves and know who I am and recognize that David's worship was in the depths of his heart. And his praise that left from his lips acknowledged what was in his heart. David would declare the awesomeness and the goodness of God, externally showing what was internally positioned. And I want to read this to you. I wanted to play this video, but I want to read this to you. It's just a little lengthy to take up my last few minutes But I want to say, you know, that as I began to read this, my heart began to reposition itself. Many of us, if we tell the truth, as Christians and as believers, we go through times when we need recalibration. Amen. You know, we're not always on point and we're not always in the place where we even desire to be. And sometimes God, by his spirit, has to help us and recalibrate us. And that's how I feel that he is doing with me in this season. He is making me go back to my first love and making me go back to recognize and why i fell in love with him in the first place. He's making me go back and realize that it's not in the mundane things that we do from day to day. But it's truly in the depths of the heart. And then i began to think about the words that comes from my mouth because from the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. And I began to hear myself. You ever listen to yourself? (laughs) And I began to hear myself and listen to myself. And more complaints were coming out of my mouth than praise. (laughs) And I began to say, God, something is happening here. And I began to say, God, help me to renew my worship, my positioning of the heart. And so I read this, and I know some of you may have heard this. There's a message spoken by Dr. S.M. Lockridge in Detroit in 1976. He was an African-American preacher of a Baptist church, and he began to speak about the King, Jesus. And this is what he said, and I I hope it it blesses you. I can't preach it like he did, but I'm going to read it. This is what he said talked about the king and I just want you to hear these words and ask yourself are these the words that comes out of your mouth is this your worship says my king was born king The Bible says he's a seven-way king. He's the king of the Jews. That's an ethnic king. He's the king of Israel. That's a national king. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings, and he is the Lord of lords. Now that's my king. Well, I wonder if you know him. Do you know him? Don't try to mislead me. Do you know my king? David said the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmness shows his handwork, handiwork. My king is the only one of whom there are no means of measure that can define his limitless love. No far-seeing telescope can bring into visibility the coastline of the shore of his supplies. No barriers can hinder him from pouring out his blessings. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's, immort- he's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. That's my king. He's God's son. He's the center savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He stands alone in himself. He's honest. He's unique. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He's supreme. He's preeminent. He's the grandest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the supreme problem in higher criticism. He's the fundamental doctrine of historic theology. He's the carnal necessity of spiritual religion. That's my king. He's the miracle of the age. He's the superlative of everything good that you choose to call him. He's the only one able to supply all our needs simultaneously. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He's the Almighty God who guides and keeps all his people. He heals the sick. He cleanses the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the aged. He rewards the diligent, and he beautifies the meek. That's my king. Do you know him? Well, my king is a king of knowledge. He's the wellspring of wisdom. He's the doorway of deliverance. He's the pathway of peace. He's the roadway of righteousness. He's the highway of holiness. He's the gateway of glory. He's the master of the mighty. He's the captain of the conquerors. He's the head of the heroes. He's the leader of the legislators. He's the overseer of the overcomers. He's the governor of governors. He's the prince of princes. He's the king of kings. And he's the lord of lords. That's my king. His office is manifold. His promise is sure. His light is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. I wish I could describe him to you, but he's indescribable. That's my king. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible and he is irresistible. I'm coming to tell you this, that the heavens of heavens can't contain him, let alone some man explain him. You can can't get him out of your mind. You can't get him off of your hands. You can't outlive him and you can't live without him. The Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. The witnesses couldn't get their testimonies to agree about him. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him, and the grave couldn't hold him. That's my king. He always has been and always will be. I'm talking about the fact that he had no predecessors and he'll have no successors. There's nobody before him and there'll be nobody after him. You can't impeach him and he's not going to resign. That's my king, I say. Then thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Well, all the power belongs to my king we're around here talking about black power and white power and green power but in the end that all that matters is god's power thine is the power yeah and the glory we try to get prestige and honor and glory for ourselves but glory belongs to him yes thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever and ever and ever how long is that forever and ever and ever, and ever. And when you get through with all of those evers, just say amen. He is the king of glory. Hallelujah. And anytime our hearts now are feeling this displacement that we are wondering God, where are you? And our hearts now are fixed in that place to decide within the midst of the storms and when the, in the midst of troubled times that like the cedar trees of Lebanon, no matter how strong they were, they could not resist and could not handle the power of God's voice. That when God begins to speak it does not matter what's going on in our lives, God is able to bring about change and it's a matter of will our hearts stay fixed to wait on him it's a matter will our hearts lay prostrate now to honor him and to declare that he is the only way the truth and the life. he is God do you know him Amen. Father God, we thank you this morning. This is a time and a season, Lord, that our hearts bow in worship and adoration to you and that we declare with our lips our true thanksgiving. And we thank you, God, for all that you have done this year. We thank you that you've kept our loved ones, God, and that you've kept us, oh God, watch over us throughout this year. And in this season, we thank you for the many prayers that you have answered. And we thank you for this community, this body, oh God, that has embraced us, oh God, where we find family in this place. We thank you for one another and we pronounce your blessing upon each other on this day. God, go before us, oh God, and be with us, Lord, as we leave from this place. We love you and we thank you and we bless you, for you are truly our King. Give glory and honor unto God, for he is worthy of our praise. God bless you. We love you all. Please take a few minutes to embrace one another as you say your goodbyes. Blessings to